You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading is from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we had to learn a whole bunch of new things last year. Uh, things like uh, learning to cough into your elbow (laughs) and if you got really good at that you could turn it into a dab dance move (laughs) Uh, things like learning how to stop your glasses from fogging up when you're wearing a mask now if you've actually mastered that one I would love to know how you do it because I still cannot work that one out We had to learn new tech things like learning how to zoom and to scan QR codes Now, churches can be pretty slow to change, and yet the rate of change and the amount of change experienced in our churches over the last year has been more than has been experienced in decades and possibly even centuries. And as we experience changes, um, and then now are starting to have a lifting of restrictions and getting back to in-person gatherings as well as continuing to do our digital service, There's a whole bunch of stuff that we need to think through. Changes that we've made that we think are good changes and we want to keep doing. Things that we just did out of necessity that we're very happy not to keep doing. Things that we stopped doing that probably needed to be stopped and have reached their time. They were good things when they, uh, you know, lasted. But having stopped them, we probably won't go back to doing them. And then... Uh, things that we have stopped or we had stopped, which, oh man, we are just rejoicing that we're able to do them again. Now, joy is the theme for these psalms that we're looking at over the next three weeks. Uh, Each of them has joy in it as a key theme. And so we've called the series Songs of Joy. Uh, And today's psalm from Psalm 95 Uh, really speaks about how we come before God in worship. Whether that's in person or digital, it doesn't really matter. It speaks about three things which are core part 
of the worship of God as God's people gather together in person or online. So the first thing we do as we gather is to praise God, our King. Have a look at verse 1 with me. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Now, Christians have always been a singing people, rejoicing in the goodness of God. Singing isn't so much a part of Australian culture as it is in other cultures around the world. And there's not many places really where adult Australians sing together other than in church. But this psalm also speaks about shouting aloud to God And that's something that we understand as Aussies because when we go to sporting events, for example, uh, whether it's the footy or the cricket, we jump up in our seats and we shout out uh, when our team, uh, you know, takes a specky at the footy or hits a massive six or takes a wicket at the cricket. Now think here about the posture of worship. Um, Singing and Shouting require us to to stand. So if I can sort of demonstrate here sort of the posture, uh, it's very hard to, to sing with joy or to shout out to God if you're not actually standing to do it. You need to fill your lungs. You need to express that. Uh, that's part of the reason that for our in-person gatherings, Uh, You definitely need to wear a mask when you sing because you're expelling air from your lungs. There's a a joy in it. There's a freedom in it, or there should be, as we express our praise to God. So there's kind of a choreography and and a posture that's going on in our worship. As we stand and sing, we tend to, yeah, we stand to do that as we sing or as we shout. One of the things I know that many people missed during lockdown and are enjoying as people are able to regather in person a bit more is that experience of singing together. When we sing, we're telling God that we love him and we're expressing to God the things that we love about him. But when we're able to sing with other people, whether that's in our own homes, watching the digital service, perhaps with others around us, or if we're gathering at a church building, We also, as we sing these things, we remind each other of these truths about God and we have a unity together as we sing and say these words that we believe them together and so they unite us together. And we're able to express our emotions as we sing. It's a core part of our worship of God. Now, verse 3 goes on to explain why it is that we sing and we shout. It says, for the Lord is a great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands form the dry land. There is only one God and king. There might be other so-called gods, but they're not the real God, the God who is the creator God, the God who made everything and is so big and powerful. Notice how it speaks about his hands. His hands hold mountain ranges like the Alps and vast oceans. He just cups them in his giant hands. 
And like a potter forming clay, he forms entire continents. He is that powerful, that awesome, and that majestic. And so that's the God that we sing and shout about, the God who is the creator God and who is awesome in the things that he's made. One of the great things during lockdown, one of the great releases really for me was that one hour of exercise that we got where you could get out of the house and go for a walk or a run. And for me, it really renewed in me a sense of the beauty of God's creation. I was so thankful living in this particular part of Melbourne around the Diamond Creek area that we do have a lot of trees and we have access to nature. I was feeling for people who were in uh, small units or flats in the inner city who didn't have that same access. You know, the majesty of God's creation has always really struck my heart with awe and is one of the key reasons that I have a firm belief in God. The design that I see around me points to a creator and a designer. And when we see and experience the creation, We can turn that in praise to God as we sing and shout and thank him for the wonders of what he's made. So the application of this first part of the psalm is pretty straightforward. You see, as God's people, we're to be a a singing people and a shouting people. We're to express what we love about God in song and to bring our emotions and unite together as we do that singing his praises We're to do it joyfully and with a sense of freedom, not worrying what other people around us might think, but about what God thinks and expressing our praise to him. Now, sometimes that can be a challenge because, well, not everybody likes singing, perhaps. Or music has a number of different genres and people have different tastes when it comes to music. Now, I don't reckon that that's a new phenomenon. I imagine that it's, well, I know it's been something experienced in the whole life and history of the church. And I reckon it was probably the case in ancient Israel. I reckon there was probably someone outside the temple going, oh, not Psalm 95. I don't like that one. While someone else is going, yes, Psalm 95. That's the best one in the whole book of Psalms. Now, of course, it's ridiculous because we're never going to cater for everyone's musical tastes, right? I know for sure that there is a limited number of worship songs um, in hard trance or deconstructed club or the electro swing styles. And, you know, if we're gathering only with people with the same musical tastes as us, it's going to get very small gatherings and very specific. And let's be honest, that's not what it's about. It's not about satisfying our own musical tastes, but it's about being so focused on God and how wonderful and majestic that he is that those things are less important because we unite together, even if it's not totally our style, to focus on God and sing to him and be joyful and to praise him, make him the focus rather than grumbling or worrying about, well, that song wasn't exactly the way that I might like it. It's about filling our hearts with the wonders of God's character to allowing his joy to just flow through us. And music is a wonderful gift that God has given us for expressing that joy in words and music. So as we focus on God, as we gather with other people to worship, either online knowing that other people are watching with us or if we're physically in person with each other, 
We, we praise God through song, through shouting, expressing it joyfully and freely and encouraging those around us as we say the words together. The second thing is uh, in verse 6, the second sort of focus for our worship and thing that we need to do in ver- worship comes in verse 6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, again, let's think about the, the physicality or the choreography of what is happening here. We've, we've moved from a posture of standing to sing, and now we're being told to bow down or to kneel before God. It's the posture of prayer, isn't it? It's about humbling ourselves and lowering ourselves before God recognising his majesty compared to us, expressing, you know, physically our dependence on God, our need for God, um, confessing our sins to God, the areas that we've failed and being willing to be humble as we come before God. It's about making God big and recognising his bigness and making ourselves small and being willing to humble ourselves before God. In the Hebrew language, um, the word worship actually has built into it that that sense of lowering ourselves, bowing, humbling ourselves before God. Sometimes when we use the word worship, We can use it as a shorthand for praising and singing that exuberant worship that I was just speaking about. But singing is only one part of what worship is like. Yes, worship involves that exuberant praise, but it also involves bowing in submission, coming in humility, and being quiet before God. It's the posture of prayer, confessing our sins to God, and asking for his forgiveness, expressing our dependence on God and asking for his help, weeping over the injustices that we see in the world or experience in our own lives and asking that God would intervene, that he'd bring his justice and his peace. So why do we worship in this way? Why is this so important? Well, verse 7 gives us the reason. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Do you notice how personal the language is here? He is our God. We are his people. God is like a shepherd who knows his sheep and who cares for them. He knows them by name and loves them and calls them. Remember, this is the same God who holds mountain ranges in his hands and moulds like Plato the very continents. And yet he's also a personal God. He knows you and he loves you. He knows the little details that are happening in your life. None of that is too insignificant for him. He knows your joys. He knows your sorrows. And he tenderly cares for you like a, a shepherd caring for a sheep. Now, that should give us great confidence as we kneel at the feet of this God. We can be assured that he will listen to us. 
He wants to know what is happening. He wants to know what's happening in our lives. He wants to know what's happening in the life of our church. And our dependence on him in prayer is vital. It's a vital part of our worshipping life together. So again, the application is pretty straightforward. We're sticking to the basics today. That prayer must characterise our worship as a church together. Now, we do that in a variety of different ways. We pray set prayers together. That's sometimes called liturgy, where we have words that we're led in and we say together. Those words uh, have been said by people for, for centuries and longer, and they're drawn often from the Scriptures, from the Bible, from the Psalms itself, as we express those prayers in that way together. We confess our sins together. It's a way of recognising that none of us is perfect, that church is not about let's get all the good people together and pat each other on the back about how awesome we are and how God must love us because of all of our good works that we do. No, church is about people who recognise our brokenness, that we fail and stuff up and we keep doing it, and yet God forgives us shows grace to us and loves us. And as we confess our sins together, we have that unity together in recognising our brokenness and need for forgiveness. Uh, We have people lead us in prayer, particularly focusing prayers on the things that we're asking God for in our world, in our church and in our lives. We sometimes call that intercession as we ask God to give the things that we need. But these different styles of prayer all come from the same place. It's about an attitude of dependence on God, an attitude of humility before God, recognising that he is God and that we are not, and an attitude of, of reverence for God, naming his majesty and coming before him and asking him for what we need. So the third thing. In this psalm, we've seen that we stand to praise God and shout with joy to him. We also kneel before God and ask uh, for the things that we need. Halfway through verse 7, though, it, it, it seems like this psalm takes a weird turn. This is what we read through uh, the middle of verse 7. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. Uh, Some people say this psalm changes tone so quickly that it's like two psalms stuck together with sticky tape. They don't really belong together. But this last part makes perfect sense in the context. See, if God is God, the great God who we must praise If he's also the loving shepherd that we bow before in reverence, then we also need to listen to him when he speaks. This last part of the psalm reminds us that a key part of our worship is listening to God's word and responding in obedience. Okay, if we're thinking about choreography here, we've had standing, we've had kneeling, probably the best way to think about this one is that we sit to listen to God. 
It's not explicitly said like that in the text, but that's often how we do it. And when you're sitting, you can, you can sort of sit like this when you're talking to someone, very closed and, and not open to hear what they have to say. Or you can have a very open posture, leaning forward, which says to the other person, yes, I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say, and I'm open to receive it and respond to it. It's that sort of posture that we need to have as we come to God's word to listen to him. We're told not to harden our hearts, but to be open. We need open hearts and open Bibles as we come to hear what God is saying to us. So this is the third part of worship and the third posture of our worship together. When we gather, we hear God's word, the Bible read to us. And we give significant time in our gatherings, both digitally and in person, to someone unpacking the meaning of what the Bible uh, passage for that day is about, like I'm doing now. And we do it so that today, each time we gather, we do hear from God and we're ready to change and be obedient to what God's calling us to do. Now, the references here to Meribah and Massah might be confusing for you. It's a reference to something in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible from the book of Exodus, when God has led the people of Israel out from being slaves in Egypt. He's done, he's done awesome miracles to bring them out. Then he's leading them through the desert. And yet despite everything that God has done, the people grumble and they whinge and they complain. And this in this particular incident that's referenced here, they're complaining because the water's run out. And so God does another miracle. He tells Moses, the leader, to tap a rock and water gushes out to provide for the people. But God is not impressed because in the midst of their complaining, they have said these words. This is from Exodus 17.7. Is the Lord among us or not? They doubt the presence of God. They doubt that God is actively speaking to them, guiding them, and so they refuse to listen to what God has said and to obey him. And the warning for us is not to make the same mistake. Do you notice here that it uses the word today? This is a challenge for today and every single today that we gather to listen to God's word. You see, it's always today when it comes to God's word. We're told that God's word is living and active, that it pierces our hearts. And so we need to be ready to listen to what God is saying to us today and every day. Do not harden your hearts to God's word. Come with an openness to receive from him, to hear from him, ready knowing that each time we open the Bible, God will be speaking to us. And we need to be ready to put it into practice. And listening to God's word is not just about slavish obedience, but it's about following God's word so that we're led into the fullness of life that he's offering us. Psalm 95 here says that the consequences of the people not listening to God's word is that they didn't enter into the rest that God had for them which is a reference originally to the people not going into the promised land that God had for them. But this same idea of rest is picked up in the book of Hebrews, which is kind of a, 
a talk riffing off Psalm 95. And it says that for Christians, we also want to enter into God's rest. We want to experience the fullness of what God has to offer us in this life, living his way, but also looking forward to the new creation that God will bring in. And we want to enter into that rest through relationship with God. And so the encouragement for us is to listen to God's word so that we can experience rest and the fullness of life that God is offering to each one of us. The fullness of life in our studies, the fullness of life in our workplaces, the fullness of life in our relationships, in our households, in our families. God has something to say and to speak into all of those situations in every situation of life. And by hearing his word and obeying it and doing things the way that God wants us to is the best way to live the fullness of life and the rest that God offers to each one of us. So the third encouragement here as we gather is to listen to God's word together. And the challenge, I guess, is for each one of us is to come prepared to do that. Whether you're preparing for an online service in your own home or whether you're physically gathering, going to a place to worship with other people in person, you need to go ready, ready to hear from God. It's the same in our life groups as we gather to hear from God's word, uh, being willing to be honest with each other, accountable to each other, and talking about how we really will put God's word into practice. You might like to make it a habit that each time you hear from God's word, that you write down one thing that you want to think about, that you want to change, that you want to put into practice. That's a a great strategy for ensuring a softness rather than a hardness of heart. Uh, Preparing yourself and being ready to say, I'm here to listen, God, and I want to do what you're calling me to do. Friends, so much has changed, hasn't it, in the last year, and we're still working out what the new normal is, and how we live in a world that has radically changed. And church has changed too, and that's good and necessary in many ways. But there are some things that haven't changed and will never change. God is the same. God's way of bringing us into relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ, is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the way that God wants us to worship him and respond to him is also fundamentally the same. That we praise him as we sing and shout with joy, standing together to declare the praises of God. That we lower ourselves before God, humbling in ourselves and come prayerfully and reverently and quietly before God, expressing our dependence on him and our need for him. And thirdly, that we come with an attitude of openness to hear from God, to listen to his word and to be open to put it into practice, to be obedient to what God's calling us to do so that we can experience the fullness of life that he wants you and I to have. Praise prayer and hearing from God's word, fundamental parts of our worship together and things that we will remain committed to doing as we gather in Jesus' name.
to worship our God. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.